0: Everybody and welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go to avalanche podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app, and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, with the most, of course, JJ Jerez. With me is Double A Arif, and of course, Steady P, Patrick Steadman on the controls. You like that one, Steady P? I thought of that one the other day.
1: Look at that. Now we all have nicknames except for you, just boring uh, J- old JJ.
0: JJ is a nickname. My, my real name's Jeremy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, You know, in second, <laughs> in second grade, nobody could ever say my name. They'd either call me Jeremy or Germany. So I said, guys, guys, I got JJ. this. Call me JJ. But anyway, you can call me JJ. Call him AA and call the other guys Steady P. But we got to get into some Colorado Avalanche hockey here. Another heartbreaking and last-minute loss here. Um, two in a row to the Columbus Blue Jackets and Arif, I think the thing that stands out to me the most about that loss was it. it was another— loss in the third period. The Avalanche had the 2-1 lead going into three and ended up losing 4-2. So let's get into your initial thoughts of uh, the breakdown here.
1: They blew it. Uh, that's, I mean, I'm not a skies falling kind of guy. Uh, the season is not lost, and I'm not going to sit here and piss and moan and say to fire Jared and trade half the team, but they blew it that game. They went into the third period with a very comfortable Again, it's a one goal lead, but it's a comfortable one goal lead because you were playing great for 40 minutes. And then they started to play not so great. And I tweeted it out minutes before the goal happened. I said, Philip Grubauer didn't have to face this many high danger shots all year as much as Kempers had to face in this third period. And then lo and behold, they scored and then they scored again. And then, you know, they added the empty netter. Uh, they they blew it. They They couldn't even get it to overtime this time. That was a game that you were supposed to win and you didn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, historically, Columbus kind of plays, you know, uh, a lower tempo game, right? Lower scoring on the sheets. And that's what both these games with the Columbus Blue Jackets look like. I mean, those first two periods in both the games were low scoring. And for some reason, in the third period, the uh, the the wheels just blew off. I guess I I don't know a better way to put it. I, I'm wondering what exactly about the third periods is getting them to, getting to them right now. I mean we've said it in the past and we said it a lot last year that the team had a hard time putting together a full sixty minutes and that problem is creeping back in. But it, it doesn't really make sense as to why. I mean you look at that last Columbus Blue Jackets and the play that really broke them was that weird little dump into the corner and it took a weird bounce out right and and that's when Kemper got kind of thrown off and I forgot who it was but threw it in on him uh on the far side there just squeaked it in around the post so they've been they've been just weird the way they've been losing them I can't really pinpoint exactly what's going on I mean is there anything you're noticing uh that's making these breakdowns happen
1: they're they're just not firing as a team the way they were last year there's something a little bit off with the performance that they're doing and I'm not going to say it structurally but uh Every game, there's a couple guys that are making very big mistakes, high danger mistakes, and those big mistakes are leading to goals against. Um, they're not giving their goalie a chance, and then when those opportunities happen for the op- opposition, the goalie is not bailing them out every single time, as we saw from Kemper in the third. He did all he can until eventually it was too much. Whatever it is, it's it's as, as funny as it sounds like. The, the general pulse of the avalanche right now among the national media is is that they're gonna figure it out. And the reason why people say that is because the issue going into the summer or going into the season out of the summer was the fact that the Avalanche lost a lot of depth. But when you look at their team right now, it's not the depth that's letting them down. It's their starting goalie. It's their top line. It's their best defenseman. It's the players that should be playing better and the players that you assume are going to be better because I don't think Miko Rantanen is going to score at a 50, 60 point pace all year. I don't think McKinnon is going to have one goal every eight games all year. Once those guys start to play the game, oh, and I don't think that Kale McCarr is going to have the defensive breakdowns and Sam Gerrard is going to be limiting his, his offensive production all year. Once you figure out the top players playing their game, then everything will be back to normal. But right now it is those things that are happening. It's, it's these breakdowns that are just high danger breakdowns that are causing the other team to get opportunities. And then when the goalie doesn't bail you out and the defense doesn't bail you out, oftentimes it's the defense causing those turnovers. You're losing a lot of random games that you should be winning and they're coming late and they're coming in a, in a very heartbreaking fashion.
0: Right. The other teams seem to be just capitalizing on mistakes left and right, whereas the Avalanche can't seem to capitalize and they're having bad luck. They're hitting crossbars. They're getting amazing saves uh, saved on against them. So, uh, you know, we've both brought up goaltending a couple of times now. So let's dive a little deeper into that. I mean, I, I for one. Thought it was an absolute treat watching the Kemper versus Leakins battle. But you still feel that Kemper, while he's made a lot of progress lately, he's still got a ways to go, right? I mean, he's made he made some big saves, especially in the first half of that game. He was honestly pr- pretty... Unbelievable. He was kind of the Darcy Kemper we expect. I like him to clean some things up. You know, he was a little bit sloppy on some rebounds, sliding this side of the crease, sliding that side of the crease, and just getting himself far out of position. It didn't hurt him then. Um, but you know, it could easily down the road. So I, I still think there are some tweaks he needs to make, but you love the progress from from Darcy Kemper so far.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's getting better by the game, and every game he's coming in and he's doing a little bit more than than he was before. And again, it's a it's a work in progress. And uh, it's a good thing for the Avalanche that they didn't get a new goalie in a 56 game season. They have all these days off between games. They have an 82 game marathon where you can give Kemper some more practice time and some more, you know, more of an ability to learn from UC Parkala and more of an ability to be able to acclimate himself to the new team to the fact that he is playing on a contending team now, to the fact that he's trying to make Team Canada. And, you know, there's a lot of things kind of stacking against him right now. And he's the kind of guy that looks like he doesn't foil under pressure, but it's it's taken him a little bit of time. And, and uh, I have to share this tweet that I got throughout the game. Remember what we used to do, the Twitter fan highlight, where we would shout out a fan every game that, you know, interacts with us. I feel like we need to bring it back. And I'm going to do this right now because it kind of pertains to the conversation we're talking about. When I tweeted out in the third period that uh, Grubauer didn't need to make this many high danger saves in any entire season, I said, the Avs are hanging Kemper out to dry and he's doing everything he can to save their bacon over and over again. Mind you, I tweeted that when the Avs were winning two to one. And I have to call out Jeremy D. Thompson at R-E-E-L-P-O-L-I-T-I-K, Politic. He said, we've all waited for Kemper to start looking like Kemper. All it took was for the Avs D to look like Arizona. Cause that's exactly what's <laughs> happening. The avalanche Burn. hung him out to dry over and over again. And I kind of read that and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, he's right. The avalanche, like they were golden opportunities for the Columbus blue jackets over and over and over. And even in the third period, over and over and over until Kemper let in one and then he let in another and then an empty netter. So he's slowly coming to life. He's slowly being the goalie he can be. Um, it would be nice if he had Francuz there to kind of offset him a little bit while he gets acclimated. But obviously we know the situation. We know Johansson's played two games. He has not looked terrible, but you don't want to have to turn to Johansson over and over again. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of stacking even more odds against him to know like, Hey, this is a new team. You got to learn a new system, new teammates, more pressure. Olympics are here. Uh, you're on a one-year deal. It's a contract year, all of these things. Oh, and by the way, uh, you're going to be backed up by the third string goalie. So you're going to play almost every night.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I want to kind of keep the glass half full here on this. And Kemper had a pretty strong game despite having not played in game action for almost a full week. No, exactly a full week. It had exactly been seven week, days. Yeah. So I, I didn't really know why he didn't play in the first Columbus game. I know you don't, want to play Darcy Kemper all 82 games but there's enough rest in there that it didn't seem like it was overbearing but um it is what it is and yeah I'm pretty pleased with what he's doing as long as we keep this direction going right I mean it, again there's still some work to be done and there's still some acclimating to be done you've pointed it out several times it's tough to jump into uh behind a new defense and learn all the new systems and learn all the new verbiage and learn just the way people play and how to get comfortable with each other and I don't fully blame him either like I said earlier that that dump in was a weird bounce off the boards and he kind of caught him off guard you'd like to see him save it but he he was just a little bit off angle because of it but you know it is what it is and there's no time to panic and there's plenty of room for improvement
1: yeah absolutely you want to know a crazy stat about uh pavel francis obviously since since we mentioned that he's out
0: if i say no are you going to say it anyway
1: Of course, that's, you know, i just kind of, you know, it's it's one of those setups, you know, when like an an MC will sit at the microphone and be like, and now I'm going to introduce our keynote speaker that needs no introduction. And then they still go on (laughs) to list 17 things about that person that needs no introduction. So that's the exact same thing. Even if you say, no, I'm still giving it to you. All
0: right, then give it to me.
1: Pavel Fransuz signed his two-year contract extension, that two-year, four million deal on February 21st, 2020. Obviously, he played a lot of games because Grubauer was injured, uh, obviously, the week before that, the outdoor game uh, against L.A. at Air Force. From February 21st, 2020 until now, Fransuz has played nine regular season games, and obviously all nine of them came. Obviously, he played in the bubble playoffs, too, but all nine of his regular season games came directly after signing that contract because he did not appear in a regular season game last season. He has not appeared in a regular season game now. Can you take a guess really quick just shoot out a number out of those nines, how many times he won 6 7 He's unreal. He's such a good goalie and I know it sucks because when he comes back he's going to have to get reacclimated. We saw him in the preseason he was kind of he wasn't his best. Mm-hmm. He was kind of getting reacclimated. Agreed. Um Of those seven wins, the first one came against Anaheim on the day he re-signed his contract extension, ho-hum, 26 safe shot out. And then he beat LA, then he beat Buffalo, then he beat Carolina, then he beat Nashville, five game winning streak, lost a game and then won two of three. And then obviously that last one was the game against the Rangers right before the pause. He was seven and two after signing that deal. Then he played in the bubble, was injured. And then last year he was injured after two games of backing up Grubauer. And now we haven't seen him. He's a damn good goalie, man. And we always forget how good the guy is. Like this is a guy that if he can get healthy and he can just get a few games under his belt and not have the worry of I'm going to get hurt over and over again. And the shitty part is his injury this time wasn't even the same injury that kept him out last season. Then you have a healthy number two backup goalie that right now we could be having the conversation of him stealing the goalie job from Kemper because Kemper's still getting acclimated. Instead, we have Darcy playing eight of 10 games because they have no other option.
0: Yeah. And not only is is it frustrating in that sense that it's not the same injury, but it's frustrating in the sense that it's an ankle injury. Right. I mean, how long has he been out now and how long do ankle injuries really take to heal? I mean, I don't feel like, you know, when we rewatched that play, it didn't seem like he broke the damn thing. Right. He should be able to tape that thing up and at least be 85, 95 percent and be able to jump back in there. But we still haven't seen him.
1: Yeah, he's been week to week for four years now. (laughs) That's (laughs) what it feels like. When the avalanche say day to day, they actually mean four to six months. And when they mean week to week, that means he'll be back in three seasons. That's just the way it is. So yeah, and and like the sad part is even today's update, you know, we got some updates on Nachushkin and Makar, nothing on Pavel Francuz. And it's it's it sucks because that was the one position that you didn't have to worry about. In that 2019-20 season, Grubauer was like, oh, he was so, so he was a 9-18 goalie. But, you know, we had this backup guy named Pavel Frantuz that was a 9-20 something. He was 21-7-2. But you get the point. The point is Grubauer's not here anymore. They got a new goalie. We saw how long it took Gruby to get acclimated. It's probably going to be the same thing for Kemper. Damn, would it be nice if you had a healthy Pavel Frantuz to step in and play three out of every six or three out of every seven games to put up you know, a, a 3 and one record every four games to give Kemper some time and be like, hey, don't worry, I got this. I'm a capable goalie. I probably should be a starter in this league. But now you have all these injury issues and it's, it's just, it sucks because it would have made Kemper's time a whole lot easier too. And I don't think Kemper was expecting this either.
0: Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. These last, I would say even two seasons as an Avalanche fan just suck with how frustrating it's been In that very sense, right? If only we had this guy ready. If only this injury didn't happen. And it just continues and continues. And and hopefully there's an end in sight because I don't know how many more injuries Avalanche fans can take based off of uh, the tweets I'm reading out there.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm going to say this. You know, I I said it two weeks ago when we talked about Kemper resting for that first Columbus game. And I'm going to say it again. The Avalanche overplayed Philip Grubauer last year. He did not need to go 39 and one and play 40 out of 56 games. Um, And by the way, it would have been more games had it not been for that COVID outbreak that he had where Kemper had to start four straight games against the Blues or or not Kemper uh, Dubnik had to start like three or four straight games against the Blues. They did not need to play Grubauer that much, but they had no choice because of the Francis injury and Grubauer was overplayed. He was exhausted and then he started to lose it against Vegas because he was just playing way too much hockey. You don't want that again.
0: Yeah, no, Absolutely. Um, but let's look across the ice at the opposite crease and Elvis Merzlikens. Like I said, I really enjoyed watching the goaltending battle because both were making spectacular saves, and Merzlikens, you mentioned it twice now already on the podcast that he's going for a Vezna, right? He's got to do it for his buddy Matisse, and it looks like he's this close to getting there. I mean, I'm cheering for him, and I'm sure everybody is, but what I saw from Merzlikens was a, a different goalie and a really sharp, just... On his game goalie. I hadn't seen a goalie move like that and make saves like that. I mean, I remember the play. I forget who sent it cross ice to Rantanen. Rantanen puts his knee down and thinks he's going to have an easy goal here. The defenseman got his stick on it, so the puck never got there. But Merzlikens was going to make the save. Had Rantanen got his stick on the puck, Merzlikens' pad was already there. He moved across so swiftly and was just ready for it. So, I don't know. I loved what I saw out of Merzlikens. I know this is an avalanche podcast, but you know me. I'm wowed by goaltending, and that was some amazing goaltending, even though two goals got past him
1: the more the more i i do this for a living the more i start to root for individual players more than teams and that includes the avalanche and and one of the individual players you're you know i'm rooting for is elvis Merzlikens for the reasons that we just said like you know he's doing this for matisse um and by the way the fact that he was able to get across for that play so well says a lot about how damn good of a pass that was by kadri to give Burakovsky a wide open net because mm-hmm. Merzlikens wasn't even close to getting there in time mm-hmm. but I don't know if you're familiar, but did you see the... So Merzlikens is 5-1 and one this season. Did you happen to catch the end of the one loss that he had? I don't believe I did. Okay, so they were playing the Rangers. Igor Shosturkin was at the other end, one of Matisse's uh, friends. And uh, they were down 4 to nothing, And there was about 20 seconds left on the clock. The Blue Jackets had the puck in their own zone. They skated around Merzlikens. And they were about ready to break up the ice. And Merzlikens waved to his defense that had the puck to stop, to not go up, to not try to shoot anymore, and to just stop the play where it is. And the reason why he did that is because Shusterkin was about to record a shutout, and then he spent the waning seconds of the third period putting his stick up in the air and waving to Shusterkin, good job. And it was like, I don't know if you've heard the phrase tummy sticks, Paul Bissonette uses it all the time. Absolutely. It was like clear tummy sticks, but at the same time, it was it was so refreshing to see. Like this dude has an entire new outlook on life after what happened this summer with Matisse Kavlenikx, and he's in it to win every single game, and he's kicking ass, and he's got a one nine eight goals against average, and he's got a nine forty save percentage. But the one game he lost, by the way, he's let in twelve goals, and four of them were in that one game. Like he is on fire. He is playing damn good. But the one game he lost he still showed his appreciation to the other goalie kind of like, Hey, enjoy your shutout defense lay low. We don't need to score a last second goal and, and screw this guy out of a shutout. We're down for nothing. I don't know. Just everything about that, dude. I love him right now. Like he's, yeah. he's doing, he's, he's talking and he's backing up his words and, and I love it. He's doing it with like this humbleness and he's doing this with this focus and this drive that I've not seen from a player in a really long time. And obviously life kind of did that to him unexpectedly, but I, I'm an Elvis Merzlikens fans, and I know we we've we've gone through both Avalanche Blue Jackets game already, uh, unless they somehow meet in the Stanley Cup final, which is doubtful. And um, but regardless, I'm going to mention that guy many many more times throughout the season on the podcast because I'm I'm keeping my eye on him all year.
0: I think focus was is you hit it on the head with that word. That's the perfect description because that's what he looks like. He looks focused. It looks like he's he's training at max capacity. You know, every single practice he's probably working his tail off. I watched the Columbus feed for that game and uh, even those guys were pointing out like oh you remember when that puck used to bounce out of his glove and now he's snagging it right so even the guys in Columbus which they can only call him Elvis by the way I don't think they can say Merzlikens they just call him <laughs> Elvis the whole time um, but yeah I mean even they're pointing out that there's a difference in his game so yeah that's something we can all keep an eye on and you know maybe even throw a little money on your DraftKings for a futures bet on uh, who you think is going to be the Vesna because I think he's got a fantastic shot at it and you know it's a, it's a great story and you'd love to see it happen and I think anybody who votes for it is probably leaning a little that way too.
1: Yeah, I think so. I He's – right now, I mean, there's a lot of goalies playing well. Right now, Freddie Anderson has exceptional statistics. There's a bunch of other goalies out there playing well. Sergey Bobrovsky hasn't lost a freaking game. Shout out to him. A um, lot of guys have really good numbers. But if the Vezina Trophy voting was happening right this second, you know the media is going to go to Elvis just because of that narrative. He's right up there with the rest, mm-hmm. but he's got that extra push because of the narrative. And if he can just hang around all season, he'll lock that baby up. And and I, I want nothing more than to see him do that.
0: Right. That's his downfall, right? Is the team around him is a little bit weaker than uh, the other goaltenders you mentioned. So, um, hey,
1: he's he's seven and th- or the the jackets are seven and three. I mean, large part is because of him, but they're, they're yeah. doing their part and he's doing his part. I mean, like I said, the avalanche, the biggest issue is when they're having breakdowns, nobody's there to nobody's there to bail them out. Whether it's a defenseman, whether it's a center getting back or the goalie, Columbus has that going well for them. They're, they're seven and three.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, you'd love to just see if the continued success. So that way it's not even a question. Oh, the narrative got him this Vesna, right? You just love to see his uh, full
1: on performance do the, do the talking for him. Yeah, for sure. And right now it is. So shout out to him. I know we've said it many, many times, but Elvis is killing it, man. I'm excited for him. Yep, yep. Uh, We're hit the
0: 20-minute mark here, so i got to take a second to tell you guys about Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, but you guys already know about Total Beverage, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they also deliver? Did you know they also have curbside pickup available? And did you know they also have an online wine education class? Get your little sommelier license there. If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by 104th in Thornton, or on Sheridan in Westminster, just type it into your GPS and go see it for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBeverage.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Love those guys at Total Beverage. Um, but yeah, moving on here, we got to get to some guys that stepped into the lineup. We talked about them last podcast. We we're excited to see them. That's Burakovsky, that's and that's Taves. How did they do?
1: Uh, well, burkowski scored two goals, so I'm going to go ahead and say he did damn well. Uh, the first goal was—I uh, mean, he had to get it on target, and that's always something that— But— But it was the pass. <laughs> it was the pass yeah, from
0: Kadri. That pass was unbelievable, and I want to take a second yes. to acknowledge Kadri here because he's been the most consistent forward on this team, yep. right? He's racking up assist after assist after assist. You're not seeing him score many goals, which you'd like to see a tweak, but these assists that he's making are just— awareness plays, their heads up plays. I mean, that was basically a no-look pass if you remember. Yeah. Over to kod or over to Berghoff, nobody everybody kind of lost him from the uh, defense cuz they had just finished a power play there and uh Kadri didn't want to what's the word? Uh, telegraph it. So he just gave him the little no-look and like you said, it was such a wide open pass that Mersleken's
1: didn't even have a shot. Zero. And just just an unbelievable. I mean, hey, Kadri's got 3 goals in 10 games. I'll take that. Shit. That's, that's not a bad number. That's, that's a 20 something goal pace. Uh, three times eight. No. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Okay. My math is good. <laughs> okay. We're good. We're good. <laughs> that's a 24 goal pace and he's got 10.10, 10 games. He's operating pretty damn well right now, but that was just an unbelievable pass. But the second goal, was a nice play by Burakovsky. The backhand top shelf, like that was, and from how tight and close to the net it was, you know, we've said this before, Burakovsky doesn't score an ugly goal. Every time he scores a goal, it's a highlight reel. Granted, the first one was the highlight reel because of the pass. The second one was the highlight reel because of him. So shout out to him. He looked well, and it was nice to see that because, you know, he's kind of had a little bit of an odd start to the year, and he, he wasn't the best last year, but it's nice to see that he's bouncing back. And then the other guy, Devon Taves, um, What can we say about this guy that, you know, is negative? He played a hell of a game. Uh, The Avalanche sorely missed him. And we talked about this last episode uh, that Devontae is kind of the defenseman that brings it all together. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to bring it together in the third period, but that wasn't his fault. He played 21 minutes uh, and he looked good. He he was a plus one. He wasn't on the ice for those uh, goals late in the game. And uh, I think getting him back and then hopefully getting kill McCarr back eventually and having them play together again is going to be paramount to this team because Eric Johnson's having a good resurgent year. Bowen Byram is breaking out and to have those guys not even be on your top pair. Oh, and by the way, I've listed four defensemen now, and I still haven't even mentioned Sam Gerrard. It really speaks volumes to the depth this team has on D and it speaks volumes to how good they can be. And it starts with Devontae's coming back and playing as good as he did in that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, he made his presence felt. And I think that's something that's changing in hockey. You know, we always talk forever. We've, uh, you know, in the past, we've always talked anyway about how, oh, if you don't notice a defenseman, that means he played a good game now. But in today's offensive NHL, especially with this Avalanche team, you want them to be noticed, right? You want them, you want to be able to see Devon Taves walk in and take some of the shots he's taken. And that's what he does. He makes dangerous plays happen. And that's why I think they missed the most is he's jumping in those plays and, and being that threatening offensive defenseman that people don't really expect from him fully, right? That's more of a Makar thing. That's more of a Byram thing, even a Gerard thing. But when Devon Tave starts doing it and he's as responsible as he is defensively, I mean, that's just he, he's just the epitome of a two-way defenseman, and it yep. was amazing to see him back on the ice.
1: Yeah, uh, he was getting Norris Trophy votes last year for a reason. He had nine goals and 31 points in a 53-game shortened season. Obviously, he missed three games. So, you know, those were those were career highs in goals. He tied his career high in assists, and it was a career high in points, and he was a plus 29. Like, he had an exceptional season last year. And to have him get back to that level, which he will, um, is going to do a lot for the Avalanche because they've sorely missed him. Um, so shout out to him. Shout out to Burakovsky. They both looked great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Rantanen still working on some things, but it, it's not like he was silent either. I think he made enough noise to say, hey, he's going to be back where we need him here shortly.
1: Yeah. Uh, Miko Rantanen, again, it, for for me, for Rantanen, it's uh, the top line hasn't played a lot together this year. Um, to have all three of them firing will come. And when it does, look out. I mean, Landis Gog's got four goals and 10 points. McKinnon's got ten points, ran in you know a little bit on the low side for his standards. Three goals and five points in seven games, so he's not even at a point per game right now. But it'll come. I'm I'm if if it's the top line that is the issue, then the Avalanche are fine because that's the line that will pick it up. That's a line that you can rely on to to break out of it.
0: So you teased it a little bit ago. How about the guys that are still waiting to return from injury, most namely. Val Nechuskin, Kale McCarr. We talked about Franco's, so No update on him, but we do have an update on the other two. How what, what are we looking like right now?
1: Yeah, so Monday morning practice was an optional skate, but uh, Kale McCarr was there in a red non-contact jersey and Valerie Nechushkin was there in a regular sweater. Obviously, they were two of the players um skating because it was an optional skate. Uh, you know, when it's an optional, they don't do, sh- you know, they don't take uh they don't do line rushes, they don't do power playing PK like fully to know if somebody is participating, like we knew Devon Taves was coming back because he was, he was playing on every single, uh, the last practice they had, he was playing on the second power play. He was playing on that top pair. You knew he was coming back for sure because he was participating in those drills that he otherwise wouldn't have. So we didn't have that kind of a update today, but what we did have was Jared Bedner to say that both Makar and Nichushkin could be options on Thursday. So if they could be options, that means Tuesday, by the time you guys are listening to this, the Avalanche have already started practice, I would assume, because it's an 11 a.m. practice, and I will be there. Kael McCarr might be out of his red non-contact. I mean, I would assume if he's going to play Thursday, he's going to have to be out of that jersey by Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. And Val's just got to continue to, you know, improve and progress, which he is, and uh, they both could play. And then we also saw the third update from that. Ranta was sent down. He's going to go to the American Hockey League. He's played 10 games. He has zero points. He was a minus four. Obviously, he had that goal taken back against the Blues, which sucks. But, you know, let's get his confidence back up. And and Jared Bednar said that the Avalanche are going to call up a player. Again, by the time you're listening to this, they may have already made that call up. I would assume Dylan Sakura is going to get a look. And I would assume Alex Newhook is going to get a look because they have both been killing it with the Eagles. But, uh Yeah. It seems by the game, like Kadri said, by the game, he's playing with different line mates. Well, by the game, the Avalanche lineup looks different. And right now it's looking different every game in a good way rather than in a bad way.
0: Right. You're getting your uh, reinforcements back. And with Nishushkin, you know, I feel like he's kind of a tank, right? He gets back in the lineup. It's going to be a while Till he gets hurt again, if at all. He might just finish the season and play every game. With Makar, I'm a little worried because it's already been in and out, in and out, in and out. So, His whole career, yeah, not even this year. <laughs> that Exactly. That's a great point. So, um, can't expect him to be 100%. So, you know, I think we have to heed all of our expectations, which is all the more reason to place more importance on Devontae's and even Bowen Byram right now, who's flourishing. So, um, you know, we'll see how those guys kind of come back. I, I want to get into Sampo Ranta because I remember the, the last game against columbus he was on the ice for the opening faceoff. he was one of the starting uh five and his right right off the puck drop he takes two steps and just falls it's kind, of, <laughs> kind of really embarrassing uh you know just lost his balance kind of fall not so much you know got tripped or anything like that so i'm wondering if the powers that be saw that plan oh he's done got him <laughs> send him back to the ahl
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean it's, it's a confidence thing right now the kid obviously he played some games last year but you know for him it's a matter of Getting his feet under him, going back to as 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 cliche as it sounds to say, going back to the basics of what works for him. And uh, the biggest number that sticks out for me, I mean, obviously he's not getting a lot of ice time. His last five games, eight minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 11, seven. Obviously he had 15 against Minnesota, which was pretty good, but that was the one game he had no shots in. In 10 games, he's got only nine shots. And this is a guy that's going to make a living in the NHL by scoring goals. Uh, he's got to go back to the AHL. He's got to fire every single time he has the puck, score some goals, get your confidence up, get that skill up, work on some things, development, get back up to the NHL and start scoring goals.
0: I feel like we've had this conversation this year already, but it was Alex Newhook.
1: But it was Newhook, yes. And Uh, and Newhook has done exactly that. Exactly.
0: So that's why I'm confident that Ranta gets down there, gets a a little bit easier of play, and gets a little bit more time and space to... Rip those wristers, then he'll get that confidence. And looks like Newhook regained his confidence. Let's see if it, you know, if he is the call up, if it transitions into the NHL. Because man, I want to see him stick around. I really think he has a lot to offer. If he could put up that kind of point production in the NHL, whoo! But shoot, even Nathan McKinnon can't even do that right now.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of guys that are that are struggling on this team right now, and and most of them are are the guys at the top of the roster, and that's why again for me, I just feel like. We can't get into the skies falling yet because, I mean, JT Comfort is holding up his end of the bargain. He's playing well. Helm has been a pleasant surprise. Tyson Jose is doing his thing. The depth guy, Logan O'Connor, I mean, what can we say about him that we haven't said already this season? It's the guys at the top that are not doing their part, whether it's defensively or offensively. And I know Kadri's got a point per game and Landis has got 10 points blah, blah, blah. But you know, Miko's got three goals through 10 games. McKinnon's got one goal through 10 games. I know they've both missed some games, but the game, the team has played 10 total games and McKinnon and Rantanen have accounted for four goals. It's not going to happen every single time.
0: And what's the saying that usually it's about American Thanksgiving where the standings kind of take shape and you can kind of get an idea. Well, the avalanche has yep. six games between now and then. So if they just have a strong six games, okay. get themselves back up in the standings and they're sitting pretty when it comes to that theory. So, um, exactly. Still way early, still way, way early to, to your point.
1: Yeah. And is the power play going to stay 10% all year? I don't think so. I hope not. I sure hope not. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that say that this team is going to, is a lot better than this. And, and we know they are. They only have 29 goals, technically 30, but one of them is the shootout winner. They've only got 29 goals in 10 games. You're not going to see that all year.
0: No, you're not. I actually want to touch on something real quick before we get into our next topic because we're going to dive in a little deeper and kind of go through the goods and bads that's going on with the team to help you maybe look at the team a little bit more optimistically, right? And we're going to point out some bad things because that's our job, but we're also going to make you feel better on the way out. But before we do, um, Patrick just sent me A good little text, and I want to go through it, through the numbers, the odds of all the avalanche right now that are uh, up for awards, right? And that's Bowen Byram right now is a plus 1,200. He's the fourth highest to win the Calder. How do you like those odds? Plus
1: 1,200. I like them, but there's a couple guys in Detroit that are giving him a run for his money. Um, Here's the thing, and we saw this the year that Duchesne lost the award to Tyler Myers, if you're a defenseman and you're within five, six, seven, eight points of a forward, you're usually going to get the award uh, because you're a defenseman and you shouldn't be scoring that many points. So if Bowen Byron puts up 45, 50 points and Lucas Raymond puts up 50 to 55 points, I think Byron will get it, especially considering he's a goal scorer. He's not going to have four goals and 45 assists. He's going to have 10, 15 goals. But if Lucas Raymond runs away with 70 75 points, Bowen Byram at 50 still isn't even going to do it. So I I I'd put some money on that. That's that's not a terrible bet to take.
0: I think an an advantage that Bowen Byram has too is all the Canadian media know about <laughs> him, right? They knew yeah. about him years ago when he got drafted. So yeah. Um, you know, we've kind of mentioned that with Kale McCarr in the past. He just has that little edge because he's a, a fan favorite there in Canada. Um, this one I don't love so much. Nathan McKinnon plus eight hundred that's the he's tied for the second highest to win the Hart trophy. i don't I'm not sure I'm buying into that. we'll We'll dive into Nathan McKinnon a little heavier here in the next segment, so
1: uh, Nathan McKinnon could have been playing the best hockey of his career. And the reality is that guy's not going to win a lot of awards because of because of Connor McDavid. Like Nick Lidstrom won a shitload of Norris trophies. And because of him, guys like Pronger and Niedermeyer and even Ray Bork early in early in Lidstrom's career, a lot of these guys didn't win as much Norris trophies as they should have because Lidstrom was cleaning it up every year. And Connor McDavid's gonna do that. Every single season, McDavid's gonna do his thing. And it's going to make McKinnon lose out on an award. I mean, in the one year that he should have won it, Taylor Hall swooped in and took it because of East Coast bias, in my opinion. But as long as Connor McDavid's doing his thing, like, dude, Nathan McKinnon could put up 110 points this year and bounce back and still lose it by a historic number because Connor McDavid's going to put up like 150
0: I think it's already done, Eric. I think Connor McDavid just this past weekend oh, agree. sealed the Hart Trophy with that beautiful, one goal. That goal beautiful. by itself. People are going to remember. And just so you know, he's a plus 135 to win the Hart. I think that's Connor? a, a no-brainer. The, that
1: the fact that he's still an underdog exactly. in the natural sense of the word. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like
0: I At plus uh, odds. P- I, I got to take that tonight.
1: I don't have a mortgage, but if I did, I would bet that on the house right now. Or not on the <laughs> not house, yet you on don't. Connor.
0: Not yet, you don't. We're Not almost yet. there we're, with you. The there. And then a couple more Vesna looks. Darcy Kemper, he's tied for sixth at plus sixteen hundred. Not feeling great about that. Elvis Merzlikens, though, our guy. These are great
1: odds, plus twenty five hundred
0: for Vesna. That's love it. Pretty
1: good number. Yeah, there, dude. There are some goalies that have some performances. So let me just run down a couple. Freddie Anderson is eight and one with a nine thirty nine save percentage and a one eight three goals against average. Uh, Mikko Koskinen, he's seven and one, but the Oilers are kind of carrying him. He's got a nine, two save percentage, two, five, four goals against, but here's the one that sticks out to me. Remember Daryl Sutter and how he came back into the league and started doing Daryl Sutter things. Jacob Markstrom, he's five, one and three, which yeah, there's some OTLs in there, but he's got four shutouts. And then the guy on the Island, uh, Ilya Sorokin. The reason why Ilya Sorokin's numbers before I read them stand out is because the Islanders are starting the season on a 13-game road trip. I don't know if you n- noticed that, but that's because their new arena hasn't in Belmont hasn't, you know, been completed yet. So they're still 12 days away from their November 20th home opener. Well, Ilya Sorokin is 5-2-2. Two, two. Varley's, by the way, has got some injury issues. Ilya Sorokin is five, two and two. He's got a 939 save percentage, a 198 goals against average, and three shutouts playing all nine of his games on the road. And there's a lot to be said about that. So there's some good goalie performances out there. But again, Merzlikens is kind of hanging around in that crew. Some guys have better numbers than him. Some guys are right around his number. But again, if he can just stick around, he can win it. But I, I like the odds for him. Darcy Kemper, not so much. He's going to need to go on a Philip Grubauer kind of run from last year just to catch up to these guys before overtaking them. Because as we saw last year, you're the avalanche and you're you know going to win the president's trophy or be one of the top five teams your goalie's not going to get as many looks as someone like Merz because he's playing on a team that wasn't expected to be good which understandably so
0: and hopefully Nikita Kucherov isn't listening to this podcast he's he'd throw a
1: fit number one bullshit <laughs> uh with
0: that guys it's obviously a great time to tell you about DraftKings and football fans who's ready to score some free bets now You can win when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. This is a fun one. When a team scores, you score. Just a... At all. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS to bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL.
1: Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 and head over to DraftKings and take some of those odds. Connor McDavid, I, I know we're an avalanche podcast, but throw as much money as you can possibly afford to lose just in case on Connor McDavid win the Hart Trophy because he's going to do it.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to take the Merzlikens one, too. That's just me, though. You don't have to follow. Um, But, yeah, let's get into this. I'm I'm looking forward to this. This It's a little bit fun. It's a little bit different than what we've usually done, but we want to go through the good and the bad, right? We're through 10 games already, um, an eighth of the season. Not exactly where we wanted to be through 10 games, but there are some highs. With that, there's going to be lows, but let's go through each one at a time. Arif.
1: All right, for sure. So let's start with one of the highs. And uh, soaring up all the way in the highs right now is JT Comfer with five goals, four assists, nine points in 10 games, and a 21.7% shooting. He's doing damn well, and he's bouncing back really well. He's playing like the JT Comfer that we know he could be.
0: Yeah, I, I've mentioned it a couple times you love to see where he's putting himself, right? It's those dangerous areas. He's never been afraid to go there, but I, I think in the last couple of seasons he's kind of gotten away from his own style, and I think he's kind of getting back to it. He, who knows if you know it was something physical going on, but it, maybe uh, he just s- switched his mentality back to being the JT Comfort we know and love. And I, you know, I I love the way he's playing. How can you not? And it almost feels like he's uh, uh, assuming the role of Gabe Landeskog and trying to do it a little bit better.
1: Yeah. And uh, you mentioned this last time, but in front of the net, he's tipping in those goals and he's becoming great at it, which is something that usually is Gabe Landeskog. So shout out to JT Comfort for his season so far. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the not so great stat, I know he's missed two games because of COVID, but Nathan McKinnon has one goal in eight games.
0: Yeah, not ideal. One goal in eight games. And as we mentioned, the Avs are already through 10. So he's basically on pace for eight to 10 goals right now, which it would be oh that's not even a word, would be terribly, terribly low. Just disgusting. I mean, I'm looking at the look on Patrick Stedman's face right now and he is just grossed out by the thought of an eight to 10 goal season. So
1: I think is he, is he grossed out by an eight to 10 goal season or is he grossed out trying to decide if he should edit whatever the hell that word is he just <laughs> said?
0: Obliteratedly, I think the is what I was going for. Low, yeah. Obliteratedly. <laughs> um, but no, I think one thing that's really killing Nathan McKinnon right now is just the, how we mentioned the inconsistency in the games, right? You're getting two ga- days off, three days off, four days off. They're just not getting in the flow of things. And I think once they start getting into back-to-backs, and, it, you know, n- not back-to-backs, every others, it's going to be a, a, a huge factor for him because he he loves that consistency. He loves being out on the ice, and he hates rest. So the more ice time he gets and the more... You can do it consistently for him. I think things are kind of going to right themselves.
1: Yeah. And again, this is season five of Nathan McKinnon breaking out. And I think I shared this one of the other episodes, but in seventeen eighteen, he had 39 goals in 74 games. So that's over a 41 goal pace over 82 games. And then in eighteen nineteen, he had exactly that 41 goals in 82 games, 1920 COVID shortened 35 goals in 69 games. Again, right on pace for that 41 goal mark last year, he took a step back 20 in only 48 games. And then right now he's got one in eight. So technically in his last 56 regular season games, McKinnon's only got 21 goals. And for him, that's low. But then in the playoffs, he turns it on. As much as I want to complain about him scoring 20 goals in only 48 games last year, he had eight in 10 in the playoffs and the year before that nine and 15. And the year before that six and 12. And then in 17, 18 when the avalanche are playing with house money in that national series, three goals in six games. So like, he turns it on when it matters, but you still want to see him scoring 35 to 45 in the regular season every year, not 20. And
0: he he hasn't been invisible. He's got nine assists. He's been racking up points. Yeah. So he's still making plays happen and helping his teammates out. But yeah, he's got to be the guy driving the ship here and not just, uh, you know, the co-captain.
1: Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if he's on pace for eight goals, he's on pace for 80 assists. So, you know, it's it's not going <laughs> to end up that way because I don't think he's got 80 apples in him I don't know who's gonna be scoring those goals (laughs) could you imagine yeah but um it's still a concerning thing again it's it's not the fact that McKinnon has one goal it's the fact that we're 10 games into the season and the avalanche can only say that their top line center has one goal through 10 through their first 10 games and that's why they only have four wins man like how many times in a 10 game stretch do you see McKinnon have three two goal games and right now in, in a 10 game stretch he's got one goal and he had to miss two games so it's it's not looking good yet But again, that's why we're doing this. It's the highs and the lows, but it'll hopefully even out as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that brings us to our next
1: positive thing. Our next positive thing is going to young Bowen Byram. Three goals, five assists, eight points in 10 games. He's got a game-winning goal. He's got a two-goal game under his belt. He's playing top-line minutes. He's playing a lot of minutes, and he is doing everything he can to earn his new contract this upcoming summer and if you're Joe Sakic you're saying holy shit let me lock this guy up next year before he goes into the last year of his deal because this guy is already better than we thought
0: yeah I mean I feel like he's proving a trajectory that he he's going to be the best defenseman on this team and that's no insult to Kale McCarr I think Kale McCarr still great and he's by no means expendable but then yeah it makes me think about the contract comparison it's like oh man are, is Joe gonna have to pay Bo Byram something similar to KO to McCarr. Next thing you know, you've got two defensemen on the in the lineup making eighteen mil. That sounds like a tough proposition.
1: I don't know. If if you're the avalanche and, and Bo and Byram going into this offseason having one good season under his belt, roll that dice, baby. Give him an eight-year deal, give him six and a half, seven million and lock him up ASAP. The contract won't start until the season after next year, the 22-23 year, which is the first year of McKinnon's new deal whenever you know he eventually signs, which might be this upcoming summer too. But lock Bowen Byram up a year before he goes into that, you know, his 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 before he starts the third year of his deal. Next season, you're gonna wanna lock him up and it's because of how good he's done because I think he's gonna do this all year. I think he's gonna give you 50 to 60 points and I think he's gonna earn that contract. And if you're the Yavs, roll the dice and and try to get him for 1 or 2 million less than you would if you wait till the summer after next season.
0: Yeah, and he's only going to keep getting better. You know, I guess that's the uh the shining light in all these injuries is that it's giving guys like Bowen Byram more ice time, more opportunities. I mean, he wouldn't be on the ice for those uh two empty net goals while the Avalanche had the empty net, you know, in the in two games ago against Columbus, he wouldn't have been on the ice normally if my was in the lineup. So seeing him flourish in those opportunities just gives you nothing but hope. And, and you know, you love Bowen Byram can't, can't hate anything about what he's doing right now.
1: Yeah. But I will give you a negative that he is a part of the avalanche have a 10.5% on the power play right now. And it's fourth worst in the league only ahead of the Seattle Kraken, the Vegas golden Knights who have a ton of injuries and the New Jersey Devils. And they are one spot behind the one-win Arizona Coyotes. The Coyotes are at a 10.7% power play. The Avalanche are at a 10.5. Bad look for this team right now.
0: Oof, yeah, and just as a comparison, I'll I'll rock the top three here for you. Edmonton Oilers at an unreal fifty percent power play right now. <laughs> so
1: ridiculous! I can't believe so that ridiculous. They had it last year too, and they've they just they continue to. Tyson Berry is living off of those apples for McDavid and Drysaddle.
0: And then the next two at a little bit more normal of a number for the top of the league. St. Louis at 30% and the Dallas Stars at 28. So yeah, they're at 10%, but it only takes a couple goals here and there. And suddenly they're right back among, you know, at least the top 10.
1: Yep. They need a good game where they go like three for six or, you know, three for five or something to get back up there. And, you know, maybe some goals for Nathan McKinnon too. You knock out two of these negatives in, in in one go. It's the power play and Nathan McKinnon. Boom.
0: We saw how hard he sullied for his last goal. It was also on the power play, Nathan McKinnon, that is. I can't wait to see how relieved he is on his next one, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, that one power play goal he had was a beauty of a goal, but uh, you're going to want to see more of that from McKinnon. I think it will come. So that being said, do we have uh, more, more ups and downs for us? We got one more of each. I mean, we can do this whole day, but I got one more of each. This next one for the ups is something we talked about. Look, Bowen Byron broke out. We weren't expecting him to be this good. JT Confer had a good bounce back, but there's another guy that we mentioned earlier that's had a bounce back season and needed it more than JT because he's on the last year of his deal and the way his season ended last year was very much blah. Habibi of my, the show? The Habibi of the show, my boy Nazem Kadri. Three goals, seven assists, 10 points in 10 games, one power play goal, 24 pims, and, but that's only because everybody on the Blues keeps trying to fight him, and Jordan Binnington had to... Like, he's got 24 pims. 10 of them were because of the chirping with Binnington when he got a stick swiped at him, and then two fighting majors. So he's got two minor penalties in 10 games, and he's one of the best in the league at drawing penalties. Shout out to Nazem Kadri He's also at 54.6% on the face-off circle, and uh, he's got 26 shots, which actually, I believe, is second place on the team behind Logan O'Connor, of all guys. So shout out to Nazem Kadri. He's having a hell of a year. It's a contract year for him, whether it's a new deal with the Avs or elsewhere. He's doing all he can to make sure that he has another big deal in him.
0: Yeah, I mean, a point per game is fantastic, but I think you look at the assists and the way he's doing them. We broke it down with the, with the Burkovsky goal, but that wasn't the only one. He's making amazing plays. He's finding really good passes, and I feel like that's something that wasn't exactly in his tool belt. I mean, I'm sure it was, but not to this level. It seems like he's making all-star Passes out there rather than yep. just you know regular old assists. So um, yeah, I think he's playing next level, and he just needs somebody to uh, kind of join him, and so he's not the only one playing at a high level every game.
1: Exactly, and and shout out to him because as soon as Natchushkin's healthy and and you know that top six is back intact, um, you expect McKinnon, Rantanen, and Burka and uh, Landeskog are going to start to gel together. And uh, they're going to start to pick up their game. Landeskog's doing well, but McKinnon and Rantanen specifically are going to start to score more goals. And then you have a second line where Kadri's at a point per game. Burakovsky's scoring some nice goals. And Nichushkin obviously has only played one game so far. But then suddenly you have that offensive power. And this is why I just can't panic right now because this team is so much better than they've shown. And if they could just get freaking healthy even a little bit, not even to like the standard of like a fully healthy team, but just like to the standard of not being the avalanche where seven guys are always out. Um, they're going to be a lot better and it's because Nazem Kadri in that second line center role and then JT Comfer in the third line center role are both playing excellent
0: yeah chip on his shoulder right Kadri's got to play with something to prove this year whether it's for the avalanche or another team in the NHL he's got to show hey I'm worth this kind of money and I'm not going to screw you over I promise I'm going to contribute to this team and not only get dumb penalties so you know it's it's a positive thing that he's playing like that this year hopefully it it remains and you know I'd I'd hate to see him go. That would be something that would, would really hurt my heart because I do like the way he plays. I like the fire in his belly, but, you know, it, it is a business and you can never get too attached to players because yeah. that's just the way it goes.
1: I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking the Avalanche could, could afford to, to give Kadri a two- or three-year deal at around $6 million, maybe two years, and really get one final go out of him as a second-line center before you, turn, the, you know, turn it over to someone like uh, Alex Newhook who needs a couple more years to develop into that role. Right, especially since Jack Eichel's off the board. Yeah, oh boy, Vegas is going to look good someday. Um, now the third and final of the negatives, the lows that I have for this team right now. Last year, the Avalanche were number one in the league in shots against per game. They only allowed 25.4, which by the way is an astonishingly low number. Like That's historic over the last decade in the NHL. This year, the Avalanche are 10th from the bottom with 32.8 shots against per game. Against the Columbus Blue Jackets, they allowed 42 shots last game and 37 in the game at home. The Columbus Blue Jackets put up 79 shots in two games. Terrible. So again, if you want to sit there and say, well, Philip Grubauer would have done better than what Darcy Kemper is doing. I don't think so because it's the way that the Avalanche are losing these games. It's not because of Darcy. It's because of the defense in front of him, not giving him the respect that Grubauer got. By the way, shout out to the guy that, uh, I forget who it was, but there's there's a couple people or a few followers that always, they don't tweet me. They direct message me. Whether, you know, they're happy about something or sad about something. I don't remember who it was. And I don't even remember if it was a guy or a girl, but somebody direct messaged me something along the lines of, ah, Darcy Kemper lost the game in the last minute. Last one o two, Grubauer would have never done that. And then I saw his direct message and I ignored it because I, I don't respond to messages like that. And then I turned on the Arizona versus Seattle game and watched Philip Grubauer give up the game-winning goal in less than a minute against a team that hadn't won a game yet. So it was kind of like the perfect storm of karma. But again, Grubauer on the Seattle defense will never be as good as Grubauer on the defense the Avalanche had last year. And Darcy Kemper on whatever the hell the Avalanche are doing defensively this year will never be as good as Philip Grubauer on the defense at the Avalanche and the structure they had last year. So the Avalanche need to get those shots against Pur's game played down, or at least make the shots that Kemper sees less high danger shots. Because right now he's facing a lot of grade A opportunities. And I wish I had those numbers pulled up right now. I don't, but they're just a lot of grade A opportunities. But it stems from the fact that the Avalanche right now are giving up 32.8 32.8 shots against per game and last year was 25.4 that's seven extra shots per game it's a big number they got to clean that up
0: yeah I mean I almost feel you know you said that they're not giving him the respect that Philip Grubauer had I kind of feel like it's it might be the opposite right I mean maybe they're just so confident in Kemper that they don't feel like they have to play such a tight defense but they're proving that you absolutely do with the NHL you can't give other teams even a window of opportunity because they'll pounce on it um and then yeah, it's it's funny how uh I've found that the media is somehow all the fans' therapists, right? That's where fans go to event. That's where they talk about their problems, <laughs> what they have issues with. The media yeah. is just supposed to be there and listen to it. So, I have no problem with it, but sometimes it gets a bit, a bit much. I,
1: and I've resp- I've responded. No, yeah, I I've responded to some, but I'm not going <laughs> to respond oh, to this damn team sucks fire bedner, trade him, screw this, call up this guy. Dylan Sakura can play better. Like just, just let's breathe a little bit. I know they're four, five, and one. They look terrible right now. Like it's embarrassing. They look really bad. There's no way to sugarcoat it. The Avalanche look like shit. But it'll get better. And if it doesn't get better, and then then those things will happen. They'll fire Jared Bednar. They'll bring in, I don't know, Tortorella to scream at Nate and fight him in the locker room or something. I don't know. Something will happen. But they're not there yet. They haven't had a healthy lineup. They barely have had the same lineup every single game. It's, it's, it's a toss-up who's going to play on any given night. And the batter are a little healthy. The breaks, breaks. I can't can't emphasize
0: enough. I think it's so important to get in your rhythm and get in the flow of a season. And when you're having two, three, four-day breaks, I mean, the Avalanche right now, as we speak, are in the middle of a four-day break. And then they play two games and then have another three-day break. It's not really until December 1st that they get into a nice flow of games. And, you know, you even see a couple back-to-backs in there in December. So, um, you know, once December hits, I think this team will start buzzing and and really getting the flow. But until then, they, (laughs) they, they got a problem
1: to solve here. We used to podcast twice a week last year and it was like, all right, so here's what happened since the last time we did a podcast and it's like three avalanche games. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, we're all right. We're breaking
0: down one at a time.
1: We're breaking down one Columbus game at a time. That's what the last two episodes have been. <laughs> so, you know, at least this time around, the next time we record, I assume is going to be after a Vancouver and San Jose game. So we'll have two games, gasp, oh my God, two games to talk about, probably Sunday, but yeah, just the breaks right now. There's no rhythm to anything this team is doing. No rhythm to the lineup of who's playing. No rhythm to the to the roster, to the schedule. Uh, there's no rhythm in terms of the goaltending because you know on any given night you're hoping that you can give Kemper a break. Well, actually, there is a rhythm, and that's the problem. There shouldn't be that much of a rhythm for the goaltending. You should be able to kind of go between two guys. So there's just a lot of things that have not been normal in a season that is actually supposed to be normal again. Um, but they'll, they'll get it back and they'll go on another avalanche run of like a 21, four and five, I don't know why five, and two record over 28, 29 games or whatever. So just give it some time. It's, it's, it'll come.
0: Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up. It's hockey time. But yeah, that brings us to uh, Vancouver and San Jose. Like you mentioned, those are the two teams up next. Not exactly lay down teams. I mean, San Jose has been surprisingly good this year, especially starting their season on the road. Vancouver, kind of an up and down team, not really knowing what to expect out of them. But you're going to have to bring your A game. Things are going to have to continue to progress and continue to move forward as they have these last couple weeks.
1: Exactly. San Jose has been pretty good. 6-4-1, they've actually looked pretty well. Uh, the Canucks have been a disappointment so far. They're 5-6-1, and one, and I say that knowing the Avalanche are 4-5-1. and one. So, again, they're they're not games that you're guaranteed to win, but they're games that you could win and you should win and you should go to 6-5-1 and one, and you should kind of start to build a little bit of a rhythm here. Yep, absolutely. Especially if Makar and Nachush can come back.
0: Yes, sir, yes, sir. So that brings us to the wrap-up of our show. Of course, this is our weekly show where we drop the three stars of the week. So here are the three stars of the week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. We're going to buzz right through these cuz honestly I feel like we spent most of the show pumping these guys tires. So star number 3, we're giving it to Nazem Kadri. Like we said, just a great start, a point of game pace. Love what he's doing. Really heads up hockey from him.
1: Fighting everybody on the St. Louis Blues.
0: <laughs> right. Has to take five minutes off every every St. Louis Blues game. So star number two, we're going to Andre Burakovsky. Hell of a way to make your comeback. Two goals and two beautiful goals. I mean, we gave the credit to Kadri on his first one, but that backhand where he chased down the icing, you know, debatable whether or not it should have been an icing, but he got it out of the corner, came in and just threw a backhand short side on Leakins in a tiny little window it was just a beautiful, beautiful goal.
1: Let's get back to Andre Burakovsky scoring at a 30-goal clip. Let's let's get back to that. He's a UFA this summer. The guy's working for a contract just like Nazem Khadri is. And let's get back to seeing him score the goals that he was scoring at will in 2019-20 and in the bubble playoffs. So shout out I'm, to Burki. That was a great start. I'm for it. I'm
0: for it. And star number one... <laughs> Probably no surprise here considering how much time we gave him. He's not even on the avalanche. Elvis Leakins is my first star because I liked the way he played hockey against the avalanche. He was sharp. He was quick. Just everything you want out of a goaltender, he was doing and, and, you know, you're cheering for him like we mentioned.
1: And we're going to wrap up another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Columbus Blue Jackets podcast because for the last two games, all we've done is talk about how great Leakins is and two victories for the Blue Jackets.
0: Well, two home games ahead for the avalanche time to seize a little bit of a home ice advantage and, and try to get some wins in front of the home crowd because they're super important right now. Not saying they're must wins, but man, if you can get to Thanksgiving, uh, you know, I'd say maybe six spots higher, at least in one of these wild card spots in the standings. I think you're sitting pretty.
1: Yeah. And uh, Vancouver first game against the Canadian team since before mm. the COVID pause. So that's going to be really cool. It's. It's nice to see these teams you haven't seen in a long time. So how's I'm she excited. going,
0: bud? That's oh yeah, let's go, eh? <laughs> all right. That being said, once a, as always, you kind of can tell when we're wrapping up this podcast because we start to say <laughs> stupid shit like that. But um, yeah, any other <laughs> thoughts you want to get out of here before we uh, wrap this baby up for the it was supposed to be Sunday edition? We had to do it on Monday.
1: Well, I mean, the Avalanche have like ten days off between games. I don't think an extra day is going to affect our podcast. But that's all for me, my friend
0: right so uh go to total beverage grab some booze go to DraftKings sportsbook win yourself some money and wait till thursday i guess when the vancouver canucks are in town but uh that being said thanks to everybody for listening we love each and every one of you as always and uh hockey's for everyone wait i'm forgetting something what's the what's the other thing i say oh yeah if you made it this far in the podcast bless your heart hockey's for everyone and we out you boom
1: baby